Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome, welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Bay Area Panthers podcast. Evan Giddings, along with Mark Grandy, with you on the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Please go there to check out all the rest of our episodes. A lot of great content because, Mark, the Bay Area Panthers have been producing both on the field, off the field. It feels like they're <laughs> winning absurd rates that we haven't seen before their their pardon me their second winning streak of the season they put together this past weekend against the duke city gladiators at sap center on saturday a 69 to 52 victory over the gladiators we'll dig into everything about it but a franchise record in points another four down game for justin rankin and then of course a big game upcoming this weekend with the second-place team in the Western Conference, the Arizona Rattlers, the Bay Area Panthers hold sole possession of first for a second consecutive week in the West. They are best in the West. Uh, and, of course, before we get into that upcoming game, uh, we got to talk about this matchup against Duke City because it was one to witness in person. I had a lot of fun, uh, and I'm sure we, we both did on the call for that game. Uh, but, I mean, the Panthers are absolutely rolling right now. They really are. And as a result of that role you're talking about, they're up to not only number one in the West, as they have been now for a bit, uh, but they're number one in the latest edition of the IFL coaches poll because Frisco took a loss to Massachusetts this past week. Massachusetts put up 72 points on Frisco uh, and Bay Area now number one in the IFL coaches poll. Uh, And you consider what they did against Duke City. Duke City, by by no stretch, one of the better teams in the league. They are four and six, a quality team, three and four in Western Conference play. But they made things difficult on Bay Area. Again, the final score, as you mentioned, 69 to 52, a franchise record in points for Bay Area. But that game was close and competitive for a long time. Bay Area only led by four at halftime. They led by uh they only led by three going into the fourth quarter. And then they outscored Duke City 14 to nothing in the fourth. So when it mattered most, Bay Area took control and won that game. 
Uh, and it was good to see that, of course. But Duke City, they made that really tough and competitive for Bay Area. They had to fight through it. They did, and ultimately, they get a double-digit win. No, you're right. Duke City put up a, a great effort in one in which I'm sure had a lot of Bay Area Panthers fans sweating because yeah. this one started off with the Panthers for a second straight game, deferring, getting the ball out of the half, which was a smart decision, I believe. But Duke City comes down. They missed their first field goal. So effectively a stop, as of course we've discussed in the IFL. And then a four-play, 45-yard drive. Justin Rankin caps it off with a seven-yard touchdown. And then just comes the repeated response by Duke City. A 31-yard touchdown pass from Charles McCollum to Tyron Laughinghouse that had to be challenged, was Hmm. overturned as it was ruled an incompletion on the field. So kind of that takes Bay Area by surprise. They march right down the field, does Bay Area right after that. Dalton Sneed, a four-yard touchdown run to go back up 14-7. And then Duke City just takes... The, the Panthers secondary by surprise with a 39-yard touchdown throw from McCollum to Gary Brown. So you're looking up and you're, you're kind of looking at the scoreboard. You're saying, huh, well, Duke City hasn't really had its best foot so far in this game forward, but they're tied just towards the end or pardon me, heading into the second quarter. And then disaster strikes one play out of the second quarter. Bay Area gets a safety. Or I should say Duke City gets a safety. Bay Area gets pinned in its own end zone. And then you're really looking at the scoreboard like it is 16-14 to 14 Duke City, and Bay Area has clearly outplayed them for the first 15 minutes and 7 seconds. Yeah, and I think where this game turned partially, it, it could have gone one of two ways. After that safety, again, it's worth two points, and then Duke City gets the ball back with the lead. I think the game really turned. Now, of course, it did in the fourth quarter when Bay Area did not allow Duke City to score. But I think the first huge moment of this game in favor of Bay Area was after the safety, Duke City got the ball. Again, they got the two-point safety. Then they get the ball, and they march all the way down. They get on the doorstep of the end zone, and they end up not scoring. Bay Area forces a, a turnover on downs. They went for it on fourth and goal at the one. Darren Hungerford and Antoine Kincaid combined for a uh, a sack. They, they tackled the quarterback, McCollum, in the backfield for a loss of a couple of yards. It keeps it just a two-score game. And then what does Bay Area do from there? They turn it into a touchdown of their own, a Justin Rankin 15-yard score. That included uh, you know a number of nice plays and runs from Justin Rankin, who did most of the offense for Bay Area, but a couple of good completions from Dalton Sneed, who was very efficient in this game through the air. But that moment, the defensive stop that Bay Area got after they allowed the safety, after Duke City drove all the way down and had the ball first and goal from the one at one point, did Duke City, to get that defensive stop and keep it a two-point game, absolutely huge. If Duke City makes it a nine-point lead, Who knows what happens after that? Bay Area's offense certainly was great all night. They would have kept scoring and kept it close, but you never know how that might change a game. And and it's not like Duke City's offense was bad either. I mean, they were pretty good for much of this game. The fourth quarter was a different issue. Uh, But that play, the, the turnover on downs Bay Area forced early in that second quarter after already losing the lead, that was huge. Without that, this could have been a different result. Yeah, I'm with you, and, and so is Dixie Wooten. He identified that play as the offense coordinator as the biggest play of the game. 
And along with Rankin's score after that, the Capital 7 play drive. They go on to score 21 points in that fourth quarter. And this is where the timing of everything, Mark, I thought played in Barry's favor. And they've shown that since I would say the first two games of the season, that they're kind of end of half and then at some points end of game execution has been second to none in this league because they score just inside of the one-minute warning. Then Duke City goes down and scores, and Bay Area marches right down the field, Hmm. and Cottrell Haywood ends up catching both of those touchdowns inside a minute, but that drive just before the half took just 25 seconds to go 23 yards, and they end up with the lead heading into the half, getting the football back. So you set up the two-for-one opportunity, and then, of course, we're talking about the biggest play of the game being on defense. Well, probably the most exciting play of the game came out of the third quarter, the beginning of which in Imeek Watkins, who takes a 56-yard touchdown on the kickoff return out of half, in which it looked like he was going to get wrapped up at the 10-yard line. Hmm. He just kind of keeps his legs and then spins off of a defender. And it looked like Duke City had given up on the play as well because once he turned the corner off of breaking the first tackle, there was nobody in front of him outside of Panthers special teams members down the field. He scores a 56-yard kickoff return. And then you're looking at a position where all Bay Area has to do is effectively score, score, and you can play with that double-digit lead. So the end of the first quarter, I should say the beginning of the second quarter was disastrous. The end of the second quarter and then the beginning of the third quarter is where Bay Area, I think, put kind of its foot on the proverbial neck of its opponent. And even though it was a tight game, uh, they clearly were comfortable from playing from ahead. Yeah, no, 100%. And then with an offense like Bay Area, especially when you consider what they've been doing recently, 69 points at home against Duke City, 44 in a win on the road, 62 at home in a win over Frisco, a down game, 34 on the road in Northern Arizona. That is still one of the best defenses in the league. 62 at home against Vegas. That's this team's last five games. When you have an offense playing that way, Evan, and then you mentioned that portion of the ball game, when Bay Area gets up by 11 points after the Imeek Watkins kickoff return for a touchdown to open the third quarter, when you have that kind of offense already out in front by a double-digit lead, it is just so incredibly difficult for an opponent to come back and win the game. And this is what makes the IFL so much different than other professional football leagues. And what makes it so much fun is because you see so many points. I mean, Bay Area has been in the 60s each of their last three home games. Un- unbelievably. It's been, it's been remarkable what they've been able to do on offense. Um, but they just, like it's nothing, go down and score. And they didn't even face that many third downs or, or fourth downs. I mean, you look at what they did uh, on third downs. They were two of three and one of one on fourth down. So the one time, Evan, they did not convert on third down, uh, they got it on fourth down. I mean, this is what this offense is doing. Rarely even challenged, rarely even put in bad situations. They're just driving down the field, scoring. Does not matter what the defense is doing. Does not matter who the defense is. Does not matter if they're handing it off to Justin Rankin or throwing it to JT Stokes. They are effective offensively at literally everything. So when you get a big defensive play like they got in that second quarter, when you get a big special teams play like they got early in that third quarter, and when you 
give this offense a double-digit lead, and all you need is for them to hold serve. It literally does not matter what the rest of your team does, what the defense does, what the special teams does. If you just hold serve on offense, you're going to win games. And Bay Area, as good as anybody in this league at holding serve on offense. Um, That's what makes this team so difficult right now is because you just look down, you blink, and suddenly Bay Area is already on the doorstep of the end zone about to score again. Yeah, and Bay Area, who picked up its seventh win overall this year, fifth in the West to remain in first place, hands Duke City their sixth loss of the season, fifth in a row, by the way, on the road. But Duke City didn't roll over in that second half. Even Bay Area goes up by 11. Then Duke City responds with a four-play 25-yard drive. Gary Brown catches his second touchdown. Six minutes later, he catches his third touchdown. And Charles McCollum, I thought, was about as impressive as a dual-threat quarterback as we have seen all season long against a very good Bay Area defense. 52 points, not exactly, I think, uh, encapsulating their, their effectiveness against Duke City's offense. But McCollum just kind of picked them apart. And he wasn't afraid to take the seven yards here, take a 10-yard run there. And for a team that outside of McCollum had virtually no running game, um, I thought the Panthers made Duke City earn just about every yard they got. But you just had to tip your cap until the fourth quarter because they were out there making a bunch of plays through the air as well as McCollum with his legs on the ground. Yeah, no, McCollum was incredible. And he almost looked like TJ Edwards, the Frisco quarterback out there. You remember a few weeks ago when Frisco was in town, uh, he threw for 161 yards, ran for two, or threw for two touchdowns. That was through the air, 161 for two touchdowns. And then on the ground, ran for 121 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Charles McCollum's line, very similar, threw for 197 yards and four touchdowns, ran for 96 yards, didn't get in the end zone on the ground, but still was really gashing Bay Area with his legs. I think that's one area that the Bay Area defense needs to keep an eye on, and I'm sure Rob Keefe has identified this as well. It is the legs of quarterbacks. That has been hurting them. Now, again, because the offense has just been so great, it hasn't cost them wins recently, um, but it has kept their opponents in games. Um, So that's one area where I think Bay Area's defense can probably get a little bit better at. You do not want to be giving up nearly 100 yards on the ground to opposing quarterbacks while also allowing them to throw for over 150. Um, so so that is one area I think Bay Area can improve in. Um, but you're right. I mean, McCollum looked great. And th- I mean, there's a reason why he put up those numbers. He is a fantastic quarterback, one of the best in the history of the indoor football game, uh, not just this league, but other indoor leagues as well. So he's going to get his Uh, But that is maybe a point of concern if you are Bay Area. Again, you're winning. It's not costing you anything right now, but always areas to improve, and and that might be one of them. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, I mean, outside of that, you know, there was a couple of instances of getting beat deep, one of which the first one was challenged. You kind of just tip your cap, toe drag swag in the back of the end zone, (laughs) a 31-yard touchdown, 39 yards, that play was one where in the first half, I felt like Gary Brown might have pushed off of Marquise Bridges a little bit. And so he gets the benefit of a non-call in that situation for a near 40-yard touchdown. And then in the second half, I thought they did a good job of just keeping everything in front. But McCollum just wasn't making any mistakes until the fourth quarter. And so 
you know, they kind of trade blows do both of these teams in the third. Duke City actually ends up with a slight edge, 21 points to Bay Area's 20. And then in the fourth quarter, Bay Area's defense pitches a shutout when they need to because they get the help from their offense. Justin Rankin opens up the quarter with a nine-yard touchdown on a one-play drive. And then, um, and that was actually after Duke City had scored with you know, about 50, 45 seconds left in the period and then chooses to onside kick uh, being down three, which was an interesting call. But of course, when the opposing offense is moving at the pace that Bay Area's is, maybe that's the only way to try and take the lead and get the ball back. So Rankin makes them hurt and makes them pay for that. And then, uh, you know, if we're talking about the the dam breaking offensively for McCollum and that Duke City offense, it was there because they marched down the field and then McCollum makes his first mistake of the game, throws an interception in the end zone. Trey Meadows makes a huge play there. And then the next possession after Bay Area scores, in which the game is not necessarily over, but of course with Bay Area leading by double digits late in the game, it would take a score, it would take an onside kick, it would take another score. Duke City then throws another interception, um, and it was Antoine Kincaid who had his who had his uh, second pick in his many games. So the secondary, I thought, put a lot of pressure on Duke City all game, and then eventually uh, was able to capitalize on the few mistakes that they made. Uh, but the guy who offensively drove home the nail mark was Justin Rankin. And I thought that this game overall, the theme of this game clearly from the start for Bay Area and its offense was to put the ball in Rankin's hands or Sneeds and pound the rock. I think they threw it like six times in the first half. And that is not very much for a Dalton Sneed led offense. But Justin Rankin ends up with 100 yards on the dot. First time this year, he's at a century mark. He scores four touchdowns. He has now had, I think, 12 touchdowns in his last three games. Third time, he has scored four more times, uh, four times on the ground. And he has just been pulverizing opposing defenses. And uh, Bay Area, I don't know if you can consider them a run-first offense, Mark, but they absolutely (laughs) proved on Saturday that they have the ability to be a run-first offense if they need to, and it can help them put up 69 points. Yeah, I don't know what more we can say about Justin Rankin. Remember the one game that he missed this year was Barry's third game of the year, and that was probably their most, uh, I don't know, concerning uh, loss performance in general, not just loss, but performance of the year. They only put up 30 points at home against Tucson, a team they would later put 44 up on the road against. Um, so just that alone, you can tell the impact that he has on this team. And since he's been back from that one game absence, the team has been on the run they're currently on winners of six of their last seven. And he has been important, perhaps the most important offensive player for Bay area. Other than Dalton Snead, it's hard for a running back in this league to be more important than any quarterback, any starting quarterback in the IFL, considering how much of a passing league this is. But Justin Rankin is pushing Dalton Sneed for that title right now in, a, of course, a friendly, competitive way. Uh, and he's he's doing a great job at it. Um, he, he's just been absolutely incredible. Now on the year uh, with 26 total touchdowns, uh, he might, you know, be the, the touchdown leader this season. I know he was last year among running backs. He might be the total touchdown leader this year if he continues on at this pace. That is obviously incredible, but I wanted to jump back to what you said earlier before your point about Rankin with those two interceptions the defense got. 
uh, at the end. Bay Area is now plus six in in turnover margin, uh, which has been slowly creeping up over the last few weeks. Uh, when Bay Area was you know one and two on the year, even when they were three and two after winner winning a couple of games in a row, they were hovering right around zero in, in terms of turnover margin. They have been really good at not turning the ball over lately. Dalton Sneed deserves a ton of credit for that, only throwing three interceptions this year. Um, but their defense is now forcing more turnovers. You saw it to help them beat Frisco at home. They intercepted TJ Edwards, who had not thrown an interception all season long up to that point, and they intercept Duke City twice in the fourth quarter of this one. So uh, the defense forcing turnovers uh, has really come at a timely uh, part of this season. Uh, and I think the turnover battle, of course, it's always important in football, uh, but they've gotten the ones they've needed at the right moments lately. And I think that's uh, as big of a reason as any why they're they're winners of six of their last seven games. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And I think the flip side of that, when you talk about turnover, turnover differential, is also the offense, not giving up the football. I mean, the lone interception that the Dalton Sneed occasionally throws is, you know, generally trying to fit a ball into a tight window, but he's only done it three times this year that he's turned the ball over. The only real fumble that I can remember Justin Rankin putting on the ground in recent weeks was actually called back hmm, against yeah. Tucson. It was avoided by a penalty. That's the only time I can remember him putting the ball on the ground. Um, they take care of the football and they force turnovers. They force opposing offenses into turnover prone situations. And, I think down the stretch, especially when you're playing from behind, you got to get a little aggressive. And the Barry Panthers defense has been, I think, pretty. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I, I mean, Mark. Opportunistic. Maybe, opportunistic. Um, gosh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to table that because I'm at a loss for words. But <laughs> what I would what I also wanted to say about the, their defense, Mark, is they've been extremely physical. Mm. And Darren Hungerford, I think, embodied that wholly in the game against Duke City. Leads the way with 14 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. And a big reason for that, Mark, is because I felt like he was blitzing more than we've seen Rob Keefe blitz his linebackers in recent weeks. And I know that Wes Bowers and Hungerford have kind of traded off sometimes due to injury, sometimes to keep the other guy fresh. But when they can pin their ears back with a lead, it is just a sight to see and Hungerford who's like a heat seeking missile sometimes can just, you know, take down ball carriers, wide receivers. Uh, he even covered Whitfield out of the backfield on one possession on, on an angle route and swatted a ball that would have potentially been a touchdown. Uh, he's a very versatile weapon that Rob Keefe can use. And the word I was looking for Mark is disciplined. That mm. is the word I was looking for, for this defense. They don't necessarily make the big play, Always, but they put themselves in a position to where the offense has to try and do something, get aggressive. And of course, that's complimentary with their offense. But when they have a chance to make a big play like they did in the fourth quarter, they tend to. And that's a, another big reason, like you were talking about, they have a plus six turnover differential and why they won six of seven. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I I think one other area where Bay Area deserves credit and where Rob Keefe deserves credit, something you touched on, uh, and, you know, if, if you're new to the podcast, if you're new to the IFL, you might be wondering, well, how could you possibly be crediting a defense 
They just gave up 52 points. That's just what happens in the IFL. If, if you hold the team to 40, you feel great about yourselves. That was a gigantic win. Uh, so 52, of course, it's, it's not a great number. You don't want to be giving that up. But it's not by any means an absolutely terrible defensive performance. I think where Rob Keefe in Bay Area does deserve credit as well is picking and choosing the right moments to bring pressure on the blitz. Bay Area does not blitz a ton, uh, but you mentioned Darren Hungerford. I believe, if memory serves, uh, one of the interceptions, I think the first one by Trey Meadows down on the goal line, came off of a Darren Hungerford blitz, and he got to McCollum quick and hit him as he released the ball, and it turned into an interception. So um, that's a case of Bay Area and Rob Keefe bringing the blitz at the right moment. Uh, and generally it does seem like this might be maybe hindsight, or maybe I'm only remembering the plays where it worked, certainly possible, but it does seem like so many of Bay area's big plays defensively have come off of blitzes from West Bowers or Darren Hungerford, whoever it is at that linebacker spot. Um, and that has been a big reason why they have that positive six turnover differential, um, without, those play calls without calling those blitzes in those moments. Perhaps this is an entire different story. I mean, so many of Bay Area's games this year have come down to the wire. They've been on the wrong side of a couple, but they have also been on the right side of a few as well. So a play or two here or there could really have changed the way that this season feels and the way the Bay Areas are perceived by the rest of the league and where they are in the standings in the Western Conference, um, which I think is what makes uh, those blitzes and, and those plays and what has resulted as, you know, because of those plays so important. And, and I think you got to credit the defense for that as well. Yeah. And to put it in perspective, even though they get up 52 points, like we talk about how important it is to get one stop, maybe even two stops that can win you a game in the IFL, the Bay Area Panthers effectively got five stops on 12 hmm. Duke city possessions. Now, you might ask how seven possessions turned into 52 points. That's just the nature of the IFL. You score a hell, hell of a lot, but you force two field goal misses. Granted, one was at the end of the half, so it was kind of forced into it. But that's also on the offense to put the Duke City team in a position where they can't really do much against that defense. And then, of course, you get multiple interceptions in the second half, and you get a goal line stand in the first half. So the defense played very well, and they will need to, Mark, because if you're talking about the standings, well, all eyes will be on the footprint center um, upcoming this weekend. Sunday, a 3.05 kick Pacific time down in the desert between your number one ranked, Bay Area Panthers, and then the second place in the Western Conference, Arizona Rattlers. It's the second meeting of this season. For those who don't know how the first one ended, it was unbelievable. One-point victory for the Panthers at home to begin the season, 47-46. It came down to a two-point failed conversion that the Barry Panthers defense held. Uh, you know, Multiple-time MVP Drew Powell at the goal line on, and that was a fantastic atmosphere, a great game. I'm sure will also be one that they will have to step up for now on the road because Arizona is going to be at home. They'll want to avenge their loss. And, oh, by the way, they've got their full complement of pieces, and they've been playing some great football. Yeah, and they just uh, came off of a win against Northern Arizona. Uh, of course, the team Bay Area play uh, obviously knows very well. They've already played them twice this year. Uh, and it was a double overtime game that it, it took there down in the desert. Arizona beat Northern Arizona 63 
to 62. It was an insane game uh, down there in Arizona in favor of the Rattlers. So they are suddenly playing really great football. It was really easy early in the year and looking back on it now, uh, kind of foolish. I didn't write them off, but you kind of just put them on the back burner a little bit because uh, of all the losses that they had early in the year. And a big reason is because of the injuries that you just mentioned. Uh, but I mean, they started the year two and three. They were also three and four, which again, isn't by any stretch out of any sort of contention, but they've since won three in a row. They've scored 60 or more points in all three of those games. Two of those wins are against Northern Arizona. Again, a team Barry knows is very good. Uh, so this is an Arizona team that is suddenly playing great, great football. I think but between Bay Area and Arizona, you have the two hottest teams in the league right now. Massachusetts, you could probably make a case for. Frisco has suddenly lost two of their last three games. Uh, but Bay Area and Arizona, two of the hottest, if not the two hottest teams in the league right now. And this is, I think because it's coming up, on the road, Evan, you might disagree. Maybe you say Frisco at home. Maybe you say first game of the year at home against Arizona. But I think this will prove to be Bay Area's toughest challenge of the season because you're playing the juggernaut Arizona on the road in an environment and in a week, in a moment where Arizona desperately wants a win. They want the one seed in the West. They want to host uh, you know, round one and round two if they get there of the Western playoffs. They desperately want to win this game. So I think as a result, this will be Bay Area's biggest challenge of the season. Well, it definitely is their biggest game of the season. And, and for the reason that you just mentioned, because first place in the Western Conference is potentially on the line. The Panthers lose this game, and they lose it by more than one point. Then the tiebreaker goes to Arizona. If they win, then they hold not only a two-game lead, but also with a game in hand as far as the tiebreaker is concerned. So that pretty much puts them in the driver's seat for the West. Uh, Frisco is a game that is the third game of this upcoming road trip. That is huge. They go from Arizona uh, to Vegas, which will be a tough matchup against the Nighthawks. And then, of course, down to Frisco for a game that could be a potential, who knows, uh, you know, IFL Bowl preview. <laughs> but I do think that Arizona is a team that is also looking at Bay Area's, some of their shortcomings on the road. Uh, it's the only place they've really looked human outside of the one, of course, home game and come from behind loss against Tucson, uh, which, as you mentioned earlier, did not feature their number one running back, Justin Rankin. Two and two on the road. Each and every game for the Panthers has come down to the wire. And last game was no different. 44-42 against Tucson. Time before that. A close loss against Northern Arizona, last second win against San Diego, and a final drive that fell short against Massachusetts. So I expect a game very similar to that, one that you won't want to miss. And then, of course, you can listen to on 95-7 the game um, if, you, if you can't watch on, on YouTube. But uh, the Panthers are a team to watch, and this is the game uh, to watch because of the implications on the line. No, 100%. It is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, unfortunately you and I won't be making the trip down to Arizona, but I can't wait to watch it. Uh, again, if you can listen to it on 95, seven, the game as well, it, it should be incredible. And I, I can't wait to, to break it all down in the pot again next week. And this could also be, you mentioned Bay area and Frisco, potentially a, a championship preview, uh, Bay area and Arizona could be also a Western conference championship preview. It seems relatively likely that these two teams 
uh, will be one and two in the West. There's still a ton of season left. A lot of things can change. I mean, if Bay Area loses to Arizona and then they lose to Frisco, suddenly you're looking at five losses. And if, if Tucson holds serve, they could sneak back up. Northern Arizona isn't out of the race either. Um, but the way that these two teams are playing, you don't expect them to pick up a, a bunch more losses the rest of the year. So if they do finish one and two in whatever order that is, and they both take care of business in the first round, they will meet in the Western Conference Championship. Uh, so we could see Arizona Bay Area round three. First one open this season, uh, a second one here past the midway point of the regular season, and then potentially a third one uh, deep into the playoffs. So this could also be a preview of a matchup we get in July, which is could be really, really exciting. And it would kind of renew the Arizona Rattlers South Bay Area rivalry. Of course, the San Jose Sabercats battled with the Rattlers a lot of times uh, in the Arena Football League, now in the Indoor Football League, and of course, the new franchise with the Bay Area Panthers. Uh, but I'm really looking looking forward to this game. It, it should be a ton of fun. Yeah, we are looking forward to breaking it as uh, down as well. Next week, of course, this game is on Sunday, 3.05 local time kick from the Footprint Center. You can listen on 95.7 The Game, battle for the best in the West, the second and final time that these two teams will face each other this year. As I previously mentioned, the first meeting came down to the wire. A failed two-point conversion from Arizona gave Bay Area the 47-46 win to kick off the season since then. They have been very, very good. They've won six of their last seven, seven to three overall, and are six and two in the Western Conference. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the Barry Panthers Pod. We appreciate you tuning in via the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. That is Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. We will talk to you after a hopeful Bay Area win against Arizona, and we'll be down next week uh, to break it down for you here on the Barry Panthers Pod. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.